reading from God's Word this morning is from Matthew, and uh, it's well known. It's linked to last weekend, as it were. It's um, part of the story of the grace of God coming amongst us and becoming our Savior in Jesus. Um, it was good, and uh, I had my final spell of ministry at Kirkintilloch while Liam Gollacher was there, and he always used to talk about God with skin on, that God came into the world and took on our skin, as it were, took on our personality, took on our humanity to become Savior. Anyhow, look at Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and leaders of the law, teachers of the law, he asked them where Christ, the Christ, was to be born in Bethlehem of Judea, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of, of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. <coughs> he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they uh, opened their treasures and presented him with gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country in another route, by another route, in another way. Lord bless his word. Apologies for that difficult reading and two things. The throat just caught me, but uh, I'm, I'm fine. 
Um, the other is that I'm still adjusting to a pair of glasses that I'm wondering if are at the right distance for me. But anyhow, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep going. Um, I'm doing something today which I've never really done before, and that is I'm going to have an attempt at combining two of the messages that I've used in the past and uh, bring them together and, and, and relate something of what we learn from the, uh, the, incarnation, the incarnation story. I was interested to hear that Jason uh, had, had taken two of the themes last week, so whether there's something worth re-emphasizing, time will tell. And um, the first of these two strands, as I'm hoping they will merge into one another, is who cares enough to welcome? And um, we'll come to the other in due course. It's a wonderful thing to get a welcome, um, wherever you are, whatever you, you're up to. It's always good to get a welcome. You may or may not know that for five years in my ministry years, I worked and served with the leprosy mission. And I and my wife and family went to the south of England, to Kent, where I worked Kent and East Sussex and the southeast corner of London, representing the ministry of the leprosy mission. And it was quite an exciting thing. And during that period, there was a spell where I was invited to go over to India, Thailand, and Indonesia just to see the work firsthand. Um, it, was, it was a privilege, and um, it was an eye-opener. And it was also helpful in the ministry, because in the ministry of the mission, because when you went to meetings and folk would say, have you been, have you seen, have you done? And I would have to say, well, not yet. But after that visit of six weeks, I mean, there's lots of things that, uh, that just changed um, the way in which you were able to communicate the ministry of the mission. And I remember um, <clears throat> on that trip, uh, it's actually, things oh, it's 40 years ago, uh, 1979 it was, but there's still vivid memories that are useful to recall. And I remember arriving at the, um, the guest house at the hospital in Dayaparam in the south of, of, uh, the south of, of uh, India. And um, it was great just to arrive and find written across the path into the house the word welcome. That was there for everyone to see who came and stayed. Welcome. You were made welcome. And I remember also on another occasion um, staying overnight in a guest house, um, a missionary guest house, uh, it was a WEC missionary um, place for folks to stay. And I had had quite a, a bit of a rough journey from where I had previously been to get to this guest house. It was in the dark, and I'll not go into all the detail, but it was a hairy journey, and there were frightening moments. And when I came to the guest house, after a lovely meal, or maybe it was before it, um, the lady in charge said, look, you're going to have a, a bath before she come in. I don't know what she meant by that, mind you. But, um, but she showed me through to this utilities room 
to find the bath. Remember the zinc ones that we used to get bathed in as kids? There was two of these baths, and uh, they, were, they were filled with lovely steaming water. And I, th this was your welcome to this, this house and to make you feel at home. And then added to that, after we had a lovely meal and a time of fellowship and games with a number of folk in the house, um, to go through to the bedroom and discover there were two hot water bottles in the bed. Now, if that, if that wasn't a welcome, what was? Welcoming is so important. I have a book here that um, I uh, used to sell when I was working with the mission. And uh, this, this book was entitled An Inn Called Welcome. It um, portrayed the work and the story of the mission to lepers, as it was originally called, between 1874 and 1917. And it was written by A. Donald Miller, who was the general secretary of the mission at that time. And he relates the story of the mission from its inception by the founder, Wesley Bailey, and um, up to 1917. And of course, obviously, there have been more books written since. But this is quite unique. And so there was a point at which in the mission office, the main office in London, they wanted to get short of all these. There were quite a, quite a stock left, not a huge stock, but they just felt time was that they, they went out. And so <clears throat> you, we were selling them at half a crown, or ah, run about there. Um, this book is priced at six shillings. So we were selling them at 50 pence or something like that. And I remember in this meeting in particular, um, got to the end of, of the sales time, and there was only one copy left. And I had been pushing it a wee bit. And I had a rush of women around me trying to get this book. I said, right, let's, 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 um, let's put it up for auction. So I eventually had two women bargaining with each other. And I ended up getting 10 pounds for the one that went and the promise that um, I would manage to get her another copy and I would get it countersigned by Donald Miller, uh, who lived in Ditchling, quite near where that other meeting was down, I think it was in Eastbourne. And so I made the arrangement with Dr. Miller and um, he asked me to come and get a coffee before he signed the book. And now we go on to this meeting where I knew I was going to see this other lady again. However, when I got there, Donald Miller said, look, coffee's not enough for you. I've cooked you a meal. Ninety-three or four he was, living on his own, cooked me a three-course meal, bust a coffee, lovely plate of soup, lovely steak, roast steak with all the trimmings, and then I think it would be apple crumble or apple pie. But again, that was another welcome. These things of welcome. And Donald Miller's book called An Inn Called Welcome was to show that the ministry of the mission was welcoming people into their premises to find encouragement, to find help, to find hope, to find healing. And often I would hear others in other hospitals say that many of these uh, sufferers 
would walk past government hospitals so that they could come to one of the leprosy mission hospitals because they knew they would be welcomed, made to feel at home, and made comfortable, and treated wisely and good. And so this book was, was, was a good foundation for the work of the mission for me. The word uh, welcome, pandochion, really means everybody welcome. It comes to in the Good Samaritan story, remember when the man was taken to a hotel and he was made welcome. Another of the general directors years down the line, the one that I was working alongside or under um, when, when I was there, was Eddie Askew. Now some of you all know Eddie Askew's books, the little meditations with prayers and uh, uh, with stories. And Eddie Askew had also been in charge of the hospital where Donald Miller had been in charge years before. And I remember one day Eddie Askew saying, you know, it was sometimes hard when you couldn't welcome folk into the hospital because there was no room. There were chock-a-block. There were no beds available. There were not enough staff to do what was needed. And he had to, as it were, send some away until there was time and space and room for folks to come. And eventually the people who persevered would return and would find their help and be treated well. Now, of course, this is taking us, isn't it, to the story uh, in, in, um, <clears throat> in the Gospels where there was no room, no room for the Savior, no room for this little infant, no room for the parents bringing this uh, little child into the world, no room, no availability, no welcome. I remember reading years ago, <clears throat> a few years back, about the Queen one time out on a journey to the southwest of England, I think it was, and the weather turned terrible. The, the weather turned really nasty. And so those in charge of the Queen had decided, let's find a bed somewhere for a night to keep the Queen, to keep her safely until the weather had uh, eased and the, in the daylight you can make her way back to London again. And so they found this hotel and um, they were made welcome to this hotel, as you might imagine. What a wonderful opportunity for the hotel manager to boast about that in future years, that he'd made room, he'd found a room, he'd found space for Her Majesty the Queen. What a wonderful, thrilling opportunity. And uh, many a day since, that manager must have thought much about that occasion. Rather different from the hotel keeper in Bethlehem, wasn't it? Who didn't know what was going on, who didn't know who was going to be born in Bethlehem on that occasion, and he turned them away. There was no room. Oh, the missed opportunity. The opportunity that he might have uh, discovered that he had housed the Son of God, that he had housed the one who came into our world to be Savior. And so the baby Jesus, Son of God, the Savior of the world, the one who was ever so special, could have been born in his house, but it was an opportunity missed. And we fall into that category often, don't we, about opportunities missed. I'm not thinking about general things, 
but in spiritual matters, in those occasions when we can gather and be blessed and be encouraged through the Word of God, through the ministry of those who can declare it. Of course, that hotel manager hadn't really thought much about what he was doing. How could he? He didn't really know at the time what the matter was. And again, that applies to us because there are times we don't know what we're refusing. We don't know what we're turning down. We don't know what we're passing by. But caring enough to welcome is the first step to changing people's lives. I'm sure there are some here who can tell how it was that you were welcomed either into someone's home or into someone's life or into someone's church and fellowship. You were welcomed. You were made to feel at home. And that was the start of your journey of faith and trust in Jesus. I always remember in one of my churches, um, <clears throat> there was this lady who had been through a lot of troubles. And she hadn't been along to church for a long while. And she decided one Wednesday night to come to the prayer and Bible study night. And when she was met at the door by one of the deacons, he said, Oh, see what the wind's blowing in. That was a good welcome, was it not? That was to make you feel at home. That was to thrill you and encourage you. The opposite, of course, is the man who hadn't been in church. And as soon as he walked in the door, the pastor said, My, it's great to see you. We welcome you back. It's great to have you. And I'm sure that that's the case for some of you folks here that you found a welcome amongst God's people has opened the door <clears throat> to furthering and deepening your faith and your encouragement. God is waiting to welcome you with that kind of everybody welcome. That's the heart of the story that we've been celebrating once again. And I wonder how many times we've been celebrating Christmas over the years. And I wonder if it's always been a thrilling experience or if it's one of those situations where here we go again with all these uh, Christmas songs and Christmas stories. But God is waiting, waiting to welcome you. And uh, <clears throat> he wants you to know his arms are ever wide. The flip side of the story, of course, is there being no room. Remember that chorus we used to sing, no room for the baby in Bethlehem's inn, only a cattle shed. No room on this earth for the dear son of God, nowhere to lay his head. Only a cross did they give to my Lord, only a borrowed tomb. Today he is seeking a place in your heart and life. Will you still say to him, no room? Who cares enough to welcome? Who cares enough to welcome the Son of God? The babe of Bethlehem is no baby now. He's the risen Christ who was crucified on the cross at Calvary for your sin and for mine. And he's looking for entry into your life to make your life meaningful and purposeful. He's looking to enter into your heart and into your home and into your total life. For you need his grace 
and his salvation. Without Christ, we have no hope. Without Christ, there is no fullness of life. And here it is, the opportunity yet again to open up the heart, open up the life, to welcome Jesus in. Who cares enough to welcome? One of the Bible commentators wrote this at the conclusion of this section in Luke's Luke's Gospel. What the inhabitants of Bethlehem did in their ignorance is done by many today in willful indifference. They refuse to make room for the Son of God. They give no place to Him in their feelings, in their affections, in their thoughts, in their views of life, in their wishes, in their decisions, in their actions, or their daily conduct. And thus they deny themselves the greatest privilege of all and incur the greatest loss to their lives. If the welcome isn't given to the Savior, so much of life becomes so hollow, so meaningless, no purpose, no hope. I'm ever grateful that I was brought up in a home where my parents loved the Lord, served the Lord. My mother was a godly soul, and she pointed me to the Savior one night at her knee when I, was return- when I had returned from a children's meeting and wanted to give my heart to the Lord Jesus. Have we room to welcome the Savior? But let's take that idea and concept of welcome into this other uh, aspect for a few moments. It's the idea of returning from worship another way. It's about welcome again. Um, These three, if it were three, could have been a lot more actually, wise men from the east. These men came and they were looking for this child that had been born, king of the Jews. And they sought diligently until they found him. But they had to go and inquire. They had to go and find out and they came to Herod the king and um, made their inquiry. And in a sense, they were given a warm welcome by Herod when they came to his palace. They were made to feel at home. But in actual fact, he was deceitful as he was. He was just trying to find out as much as he could to know where this king of the Jews was and had been born and what his role was There was that expectancy in that uh, period of time when someone special was coming to be born into the world to fulfill what the prophets had declared in the past centuries. And uh, Herod gave them a welcome, but it it had certain colors about it. it. It had certain issues that were underneath. And so they went to find where the child was. And the story, of course, is of the star that came with them from the east, and they followed the star. Now, stars uh, in, in Bible times were special. The stars were the internet of, of the population, as it were. They were guided 
by stars and their movements and their directions. And so here were these men. They came, they followed the star, and this star came to where the child was. Didn't say the stable. It's to where the child was. And uh, the two words for child are different in the first chapter and from the second chapter. In the first chapter, it's that um, it was an infant. And this story about these wise men is about a youngster that's a bit older than an infant. How older, we won't know for sure. But this message that these men convey to us and that comes out of this story is that they came to worship and ultimately they returned another way. I remember um, hearing or reading Ariel White's uh, thoughts on this passage, on this story, and it's he who makes a suggestion about returning another way. Everyone who visits Bethlehem must surely depart another way. To return the way we came would mean our coming had made no difference. It would imply that his coming too had been in vain. For he came expressly to set our feet upon new paths, to start humanity upon a different road, to guide our feet into the way of peace, for one thing, and the way of salvation, the way of God, the way home. It would be shameful to come by any road to Bethlehem and go back the same old way, shameful and foolish, and these were wise, enlightened men. They come to see the profundity and, and, and the majesty of what it meant that this child had been born and that he had been born to fulfill the promises of, of God from of old. Here we are, having gone through the Christmas season, as it were, we're perhaps not quite out of it, if we ever are, and um, we've, we've sung our carols, we've heard the messages, we've received all the greetings and good wishes because it's a special season of the year. But how much has it changed us? What difference has it made? Rather like coming on a Sunday morning. You come on a Sunday to worship. You come and you sing praises, or at least you join with folk the hymns that are being sung and we offer our prayers, we find good fellowship with one another, and we listen to something of God's words, and we come. But what difference does it make? Does it make that difference? Does it make a difference every time we gather for worship? I sometimes turn to the story in this context of Isaiah when he was in the temple, and uh, he was in the temple, and on that occasion, he saw the glory of God. He caught a vision of the Almighty God, of the one who is eternal, of the one who is above all, because he made all and is in all. And here's Isaiah as a young man. He had been to the temple week in, week out. He'd been in the service of worship for a long while. But this day, this day, something special happened 
to Isaiah. In the ordinary situation of worship, God spoke mightily. Yes, there was a change of circumstances in the culture. Um, King had died, and they were waiting to see who would replace him. Things were going to change. We're in that situation at the moment. They tell us there's all sorts of things going to change next year because of our whole political upsurge that we've just gone through. And where it's going to take us is, is, is nobody's idea at, at this point in time. But he was Isaiah at that time. And he met God in a special way. He met God to the extent that he left the temple knowing that he was going to fulfill the purposes and the will of God. He had come, he'd been worshipping, he'd been at least in the service of worship, and he changed on that occasion. Rather like those wise men, they came and went back another way. Yes, geographically, physically, but spiritually and emotionally, they went back another way. They chose another route. They went differently, as uh, Ariel White highlights the fact that if we don't, then there's something that we've missed. We've missed that welcome to experience great things, new things, blessed things from our God and Father. And so it was that they went and they returned along the road of faith fulfilled, they went along the way of hope, most surely grounded. And they went along the way of love rekindled. We come out in this journey of following Jesus with faith. And sometimes that faith gets weakened. Sometimes, thankfully, we find it being strengthened through the years by our devotion to Christ by the way in which we commit to following him and seeking to understand him. And that faith is fulfilled as we go a different way back from these experiences of worship and of love and of meeting with the living Lord. And then, of course, they returned with hope more surely grounded. Faith and hope are tied together. In fact, it's interesting, in, uh, as you read through the New Testament, read through some of the, the, the uh, epistles, you'll discover faith and hope and love are together. 1 Corinthians 13 is that marvelous chapter about love. But these three things remain, faith and hope and love. And the greatest of these is love. And when love is rekindled, then indeed we know that the blessing of the Lord will follow, not only in our lives, but we will be instruments of it following in the lives of others. So here we are. Who cares enough to welcome? And when we've entered into the presence of the Lord in our worship and in our service and in our living do we go another way? Are we leaving this morning differently from when we came in? I don't know about you, but there have been times when uh, I've heard it said from folk, you know, we go home worse than we came in to church. That should never be. 
There are reasons, obviously, for some of these things uh, taking place. But as we come and meet and worship and praise the Lord and take from the Lord, then let's find that other way of faith being, uh, forgotten that first word, fulfilled, and hope being grounded, and love being rekindled. Because love can't be expressed without the faith and the hope being real. Finish with these words. These are simple but essential things. To have come to Bethlehem and then return along the same old road with no steadier faith, no brighter hope, no more tender resolute love would, would be to have come to nothing and to go back unblessed. But to know the experience of that uh, faith strengthened, hope grounded, and love rekindled is to know indeed the joy and the purpose and the hope of God in our lives. And may that be the case for this fellowship, for you individually over this next year as we enter into a new year in this week and that we might seek the Lord's grace, goodness, and guidance in all that we set our hands unto so that he might command the blessing.